chapter two part two of the book of love by paolo montegazza this librivox recording is in the public domain morning crepuscles of love which are the true sources of love which are the paths that lead to the sacred temple there should be an only source an only path but so many are those who throng and crowd to enter there where all expect the greatest joy that not all enter by the great highway of nature but through secret gates and oblique ways reach their aim they are unhappy because the original sin of their loves condemns them to a dangerous life sown with despondency and bitterness all the natural flows of the true and great love collect in one source they are drops which slowly trickle into the depths of our body and there they gather and form rivulets and streamlets that in turn collect in the channel of our veins until they effuse as the warm quivering wave of sympathy sympathy is the only and true source of love sympathy most beautiful among the beautiful words of human speech to suffer together a melancholy vaticination of life lived into but better still to feel laugh and weep together two organisms but one sense two exterior worlds but which unite around a unique centre two nerves that by various ways carry various sensations but which interweave and run together in one heart to see to gaze at to desire each other a spark shoots forth from the contact of two desires such is the first fact of love two solitary ships in the desert of the ocean were ploughing through the waves unknown to each other the wind propelled one near to the other a shiver of sympathy ran through the sails and the shrouds and caused them to creak simultaneously they felt pressed by a common need and cast out a hawser which should tie them together from that moment they shall plough the same waters expose themselves to the same dangers and long in sigh for the same land the most rapid and ardent sympathies have their sources in the admiration of form that is to say in the sentiment of the beautiful which is satisfied by the object which we desire and are about to love among the four definitions of love that tasso was wont to discuss there are three which express or suggest this idea love is a desire of beauty love is the cupidity of embrace for the pleasure of those who covet a particular beauty love is the union through pleasure of beauty and in fact what is love if not the choice of the better forms in order to perpetuate them what is love if not the selection of the best in order that it may triumph over the mediocre a selection of youth and strength in order that it may survive the old and weak elements woman the custodian of germs the vestal of life must be more beautiful than we and man loves in her the form above all other things and mediocre forms can if elevated by a gigantic genius and an impassioned heart still excite ardent passions 
but these are always unstable sympathies and where a real deformity appears love is dead or lives only as a prodigy of heroism or as an aesthetic malady woman also is immediately affected by the beauty of virile forms and can love a man merely because he is handsome but in her the field of sympathy expands and is much higher and character and genius will seduce her more frequently than is the case with men the ugliest men enjoyed the superhuman voluptuousness of being loved but in the attitude of their characters in the power of their genius in the greatness of their position they possessed a fascination which belonged nevertheless to the world of beauty woman has within herself such a power of transmission of the germinative elements and such an accumulation of beauty as to be capable of doing without the power and the beauty of her companion but she wants to feel conquered by a superior force fascinated by something that shines or flashes or thunders in love genius and character exercise very little influence if they do not assume a beautiful form and aesthetics dominate and govern all amorous phenomena this is not enough even those who believe that their judgment in making a selection soars to the loftiest spheres of the ideal world and despise the beautiful as a vulgar fascination of dull and clouded minds seek involuntarily unknowingly some virtues that bear a deep sexual mark there may be a philosopher who boasts of having loved a homely but intelligent and sensible woman but let him search the depths of his heart let him study the sources of his love and he will find that he admires and loves in his companion those virtues which are essentially feminine the flexuous grace of tenderness and the kind intelligence of the heart or the insuperable cleverness of affection or the coquettish forms of a refreshing and modest intellect in other words the proud despiser of form was seduced by the form all beautiful and all feminine of a character or of an intelligence and woman when she happens to love an ugly man is conquered either by dominating intellect by dazzling ambition by heroic courage or by the power of some virtues that bear a deeply virile mark sex is too great a portion of the economy of life to be eliminated from our calculations by our caprice and love is a stream too large to be dammed and directed between the paper dikes of our sophisms and our reticences and if some one should not be convinced yet that beauty is the supreme insider of every amorous sympathy let him remember that love is the passion of youth and this is always a chosen form of beauty it rarely happens that two flashes from the eyes of a man and of a woman who meet for the first time should kindle one fire only this is the ideal of the most ardent sympathies the most fortunate combination in the great hazardous game of life to meet suddenly to see to admire to desire each other at once and to embrace with such a look as if it came from above to feel inundated by a gaze equally warm and penetrating to blush together and to feel all at once that two hearts beat louder and mutely make this sweet confession i love you and you are mine all this is a joy too rare too beautiful one which few mortals have known and few will know it happens more frequently that nascent sympathies proceed unequally 
so that the one has already carried a man to the highest summits of desire and passion while the other hardly begins to stir the one already throbs the other only faintly vibrates even when two loves are called to high and fortunate destinies even when they will soon spread their robust wings together in the space of bliss a task is reserved to woman in the vicissitudes of love so different from ours that she cannot feel with us the same sudden and violent emotions man says everything with a look unhesitatingly and proudly he acknowledges his defeats woman even under the spell of the most ardent sympathy lowers her eyelids refuses the too intense light and protects her heart with all the refrigeratives and sedatives at her command man has already said to woman a hundred times with the flash of his eyes i love you the woman trembling hardly dares to say perhaps i will love you and away run those two happy beings fleeing from each other until the sympathy of the one equals that of the other until the supreme languor of a long battle is smothered in two notes which vibrate together with the sweetest harmony while they say to each other with a sigh i love you and to nature repeat with another sigh thanks the energies of amorous desire which the longer they last the larger they grow follow the laws of elementary physics governing the forces the most instantaneous love is not the most durable and if an unexpected satisfaction follows a sudden desire love may sometimes resemble a glorious rape rather than a true and real passion it is true that love is not a battle but a long war and when the first victory is followed by a hundred a thousand victories the fulminous sympathy also may take deep roots in our hearts and rallying after nearly every struggle may pervade us all and reach the ideal perfection of coupling intensity with extensiveness of twinkling at the same time with the light of those stars that never set in that of the lightning flash that ploughs the skies the most perfect love is a sun that never sets but does cast forth now and then more scintillant flashes in ordinary cases however loves that rise slowly slowly die away and those of the nature of lightning last as long as lightning in all cases a healthy love well constituted and destined for a prolific existence whether born suddenly or slowly should begin with a violent shock that measures the depths from which the warm sympathy sprang forth all other affectionate sentiments arise in a manner different from love whose nature it is to be born amidst thunder and lightning as gods or demons should be born princes cannot come into the world like the masses and the prince of affections cannot come to light with the assistance of an intelligent and affectionate midwife and the domestic cares of relatives where a coruscation of the skies and a trembling of the earth do not attend the birth of the new love where nature does not rend the air with a cry of voluptuousness or of pain no one can deceive me a friendship an affection some sort of a sentiment may have come into existence but i shall certainly not christen the newborn with the sacred baptism of love and thus naturally we have arrived at those frontiers which separate the only legitimate way by which we may enter the temple from those ways that lead to it through oblique and unused paths friendship can be a source of love and a very good one but it is always a pathological and natural origin which leads step by step to the worst of the sources of love such as gratitude compassion vanity lust revenge when one has been able to see a woman during a long time 
talk to her and perhaps live with her without calling her by any other name but that of sister or friend if he feels some day that he loves her such love resembles those tropical fruits grown in our climate by means of manure and hothouse whether friendship is possible between man and woman is an old problem which will never be solved because many give that name to true real loves which approaching the threshold of desire held back perhaps by the rigid hand of duty oscillate suavely and lingeringly in front of the temple without ever entering it it is by a conventional politeness to two these loves we give the name of friendship and i will certainly not condemn such innocent falsification but a true and real friendship with all the specific characteristics that distinguish this serene affection between man and woman is not possible except on one condition to obliterate every sexual mark in the two beings that have shaken hands and the elimination of the sex in an individual is such a cruel mutilation both physical and moral that it destroys more than half of man if friendship unites two eunuchs of this kind i shall say that their affection is no longer that which exists between man and woman but that of two neutral beings however as long as a single desire of the other's person is possible in them as long as the most chaste the most innocent of desires may arise in them friendship becomes love how many are these moral eunuchs how many men and women can love without desire count them and then i shall be able to tell you how many are the cases well ascertained of friendship without love between man and woman i wish nevertheless to be more explicit so that i may not seem to go on beating about the bushes without attacking and solving the question because i find it difficult are there in this sublunary world a man and a woman glad to see each other who love each other and who have never desired even a kiss from each other yes those two angels then are friends and i admit the possibility of the psychological phenomenon of friendship between two persons of different sex from any form of mild affection one can pass to love and therefore much more easily from that friendship between man and woman knowingly admitted by us as possible long-lasting and healthy loves may arise in this way but they always have a cold skin and a somewhat lymphatic hue they require restoratives a hydropathic cure and sometimes cod-liver oil as well because from the lymphatic they may also pass to the scrofulous stage a common variety of this kind of loves is that which originates from gratitude love who to none beloved to love remits sang the poet and he told the truth but this goes on one condition that between the two who love each other there shall be no difference but in the length of the step that is to say that one should arrive first and the other join him afterward otherwise they would never meet on the main road of sympathy you o oh, tutors who believe in the love of our pupil you gentlemen who believe in the love of the orphan girl whom you have helped out of her poverty you old bachelors who believe in the love of the grateful chambermaid remember that gratitude alone did never generate a legitimate love if gratitude takes you by the hand and leads you on the road of sympathy it may be a good guide but nothing more there are men and women who very much resemble cold-blooded animals which have the same temperature as the ambient that surrounds them but can generate little or no heat they know not how to love of themselves and it is necessary that another love descend upon them to soak them to saturate them like a cake dipped in wine their sympathies are cold and equal for all they often ask of books and men what is love and compare the descriptions by others to what they feel in their hearts like the 
naturalist who turns and turns an insect in his hands compares it to the pictures before him and finally exclaims it really seems to me that this insect is the amor versus of the entomologists i too do love really love for all these gentlemen whose number is much greater than supposed the verse of the poet is most true they always love out of gratitude or compassion which is almost the same that mild and sweet affection which is love out of gratitude must not be confused with that commiseration which women especially feel for those who love them desperately and to whom they often concede not love but love out of pity woman is easily moved she cannot look on apathetically when a man suffers and frequently yields not out of lewdness but of pity which is also coupled with the legitimate pride of being able to transform a wretched being into a happy man and man often takes advantage of this weakness of eve and wickedly abuses it and is ready later to calumniate her who has made him happy man too can love out of compassion but more frequently concedes himself without affection and through pride as we shall see further on in the course of our studies woman however sometimes concedes love together with voluptuousness to him who weeps sighs and suffers for her compassion is the benevolent cord which vibrates even in natures brutally egotistical well in woman rich in so many affections it can vibrate until it tortures her this sentiment however is of its own nature tender and mild and by placing a hand on him who suffers keeps him always in a state of subjection so that true equality can never exist between the one who inspires compassion and the one who feels it this is the essential character of compassion and even when by narrow long and thorny paths it leads us to love this is always under the influence of its bastardly origin all loves out of compassion are forms of affectionate commiseration of benign protection and lack the highest notes of passion they strongly resemble the verses of him who is not a poet the god of fire does not pervade does not inflame them they do not know the sacred agitation of the sibyl and if they can live long in a mild climate they can however be suddenly overthrown by the appearance of the true god who demands his rights his tributes of blood and of ardours the woman who unfortunately has not yet experienced any love other than that inspired in her by compassion may deceive herself may believe that she loves truly and deeply but woe to her if a real and warm sympathy should awaken her heart that she may make a comparison between the true love and the false one the weak little plant of an affection long guarded by commiseration will fall and be carried away by the fury of the impetuous stream and the poor creature who really loves for the first time may suffer the most excruciating pain and be made to fight the bloodiest struggles between duty and passion between commiseration and love i know only too well that among the thousand forms of cowardly love there is also the cowardice which begs love on bended knees but i would prefer to be loved by caprice revenge or lechery rather than by compassion the woman who loves us in that way has always her heel on our heads and although the sweet pressure of a woman's little foot may be as dear as the caress of her hand in the face of nature we commit an act of cowardice and invert the most elementary laws of the physiology of the sexes the man who waves the primacy of conquest is a lion that allows his mane to be shorn a samson with clipped hair always a mild and disguised form of eunuch may fortune protect you all from love out of compassion end of chapter two part two